Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Turn it up. Here we go. Hey folks, how's everybody doing? Everybody having a good week? Well, it's Thursday. The weekend is almost here, folks. It's almost here. So I'm going to get right into it. I'm not in a very good mood. I have no idea why. I think one of the reasons is I haven't been able to get to yoga in about two weeks. And for some reason today, as I'm making dinner, which, mind you, this recipe I made was way too intense to make this uh, vegetable burrito type thing. And I just got fucking pissed off. (laughs) And I don't know why. And I've spent the last basically hour and a half decompressing and keeping the kids away from me because everything has been setting me off. So to be frank, I'm aggressive right now. It's just in me. I don't even know why. So I did just get done drinking a couple big glasses of the stress uh, type of water, which has like... uh, uh, you know, green apples in it, cucumber, some strawberries, lemons. Um, you know, I think if you if you heard my podcast uh, from a few weeks ago, you, you, I talked about how I make all these infused water drinks and I leave them in the fridge. You know, and, and they uh, are supposed to fight stress, um, removing metals, uh, boosting energy, losing weight. So there's a whole bunch of different kind of concoctions. So I just drank a big couple big glasses of the stress one, um, and now I'm out. You know, sitting in my little. Uh, my little podcast studio, which is my car, by the way, little fun fact, and I'm decompressing, I'm decompressing. So enough about me. Let's talk about who's coming up on this episode of, uh, successfully, Fu- of successfully Funded. So uh, a couple days ago, I had a great talk with Charlie Bessie, and Charlie is from the Kickstarter project right now from a, a company called Qualitree, and their campaign is Kachula 2.0. The Packable Multi-Use Adventure Blanket. Whew, say that a couple times. That was a, that was a mouthful. But here, here's a little fun fact. This project had a $15,000 goal. And with six days to go, they're at $161,000. Actually, you know what? $162,000. It just changed on me. So they obviously are kicking ass uh, with crowdfunding. So... Charlie and I had a nice talk about just the state of crowdfunding when it comes to apparel, um, when it comes to retail, when it, what, it, what it looks like for buyers, and just the whole, you know, this, this, Charlie's on the front line of, of the change that's going on in retail right now. And in terms of insight, he was, it was just oozing out of him. Uh, you know, very, very uh, intelligent guy. Uh, also got into a conversation just around Salt Lake City in Utah and what's going on there. Um, you know, I was mentioning to him, I've, I've had, you know, out of these podcasts, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but like three, I think almost five of the of, of our calls or my, my conversations have come from companies coming out of that area. So we got into that as well. So that's coming up. Um, like I said, yeah, stick around because so much valuable information. I, I cannot stress it enough. Um, uh, so like I said, that's coming up. But, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm sitting here. And for some reason, I'm just agitated. I don't really know why. Nothing's really set me off. There's not, you know, it's been a pretty okay day, you know. 
But something that has been really bothering me is I think, I think I'm on content overload every day. <clears throat> you know, the guys, people that know me, I send out a lot of stuff. I read a lot of articles. Um, you know, I am, I digest a ton of stuff from the internet and over the last 24 hours, maybe 48 hours, maybe the last two days, I just, man, I don't want any more content. And when I'm talking about content, I'm talking about, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, earlier I was reading a, a, a whole article on how some guy doesn't believe hashtags have any, have any importance anymore, that they're all, they're all bogus. People are just spamming. It's just, all, it's like, that's that guy's opinion. He sends his stuff out. Then you read another thing that says hashtags are the greatest thing. We just wrote an article on how hashtags can be important. I believe hashtags can be important. Not this guy. This guy's got another opinion. So then you got, you know, so you, you know, then you start sitting and you're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe hashtags don't matter. You know, then I read an article about how, uh, you know, how to handle marriage and entrepreneurship. And then, you know, and they tell you what to do. And then you read another one. They're like, oh, don't you want to do that? You don't want to tell your wife you love her every day because then she's going to be suspicious. You know, it's just like there's always something. It's, it's, there's, there is no cohesiveness or one standard idea anymore. And I've seen this on the, uh, uh, really impact the, the music world. You know, that's, that's really got where I got my legs um, in this whole marketing world. And the fact that nobody can agree upon a good band. You know, there's no filter system. There's, there's, no, there's no one person that says, everybody, this is a great band. And now, granted, we can all argue that, hey, that sucked back in the day when we had payola and a radio said, you know, everybody should like this song. But I'll tell you what, you could at least have conversations. I can't tell you enough. You know, one of the, you know, when my wife and I got together, music was probably the glue to our relationship, going to concerts, listening to music, um, you know, and, you know, this is eight years ago, nine years ago, so you know, a different, you know, there wasn't as much Spotify playlist type conversations going on, but what we, what my wife and I struggle with is her and I never like the same band. So there's never a moment where we're like, man, we got to go see this show because so-and-so our friend told us that this is the best new band. Our friends who like music tell us 10 different bands that are amazing. Oh, and by the way, every band's amazing. Every product's amazing. So, you know, there's never a cohesiveness or a, or a, a thought where you're like, yeah, this is great. Now you get it once in a while, but typically those are, you know, you know, they got some radio behind them and, and, and these are bands that are just superstar level, you know? Um, but it's frustrating and I'm starting to feel this way again with just so much content and, and, you know, because of the industry I'm in, I have, I feel though, like, like I, it's my job to be plugged in. It's my job to see the trends. It's my job to, uh, you know, to, to, you know, to see around the curve a little bit of, of, of this trends coming, you know, we're going to do this now for cold email strategy. We're going to do this now for Instagram. Um, this, this just changed on Facebook. Now we have to do that, you know, but for each one of those conversations, there's a flip side, excuse me, there's a flip side of that conversation where the other person's going, no, that's not how I do it. I do it this way. We all have that same voice. And you know, I guess that's great. But at some point, like for myself, I'm just feeling, oh, I'm just overwhelmed you know, just overwhelmed with everybody's opinions. And, and, you know, it, I find that even when I'm working with clients, you know, they also have the power of Google, right? So, you know, if I'm coming at somebody with, Hey guys, this is, this is a strategy that we know works. There's a strong possibility that they're going to come back and go, you know, I read, I read an article that says that that does not work. I don't think we should be sharing content on Facebook or whatever it might be. And now I have to go back and go, I don't know. You know, this is what I, uh, this is what I do. It's worked in the past, you know, so it's just, uh, it's just, you know what it is. So 
I got a big couple weeks coming up here. Um, I, I think, and I don't know where, maybe this is where the stress is coming from. I don't think so, but I am starting to have this, these moments. So my son starts kindergarten, you know, full days, you know, he's gone, what, eight thirty to four or something like that, you know, and that starts right after Labor Day, which is, uh, you know, what, the next week, two weeks, whatever it is, it's right around the corner. And I'm just, I am, my brain is wandering a little bit of like, man, my life is really going to change when that, when my, my, my son starts school for the next, what, 18 years, you know, 17 years, 18 years, he starts school. Um, and, uh, well, not 18 years, but you know what I mean? 12 years, sorry, 12 years. I'm not doing the math correct, but, um, you know, I, considering that I'm the one with, that's been with him almost every day, just because of the jobs and working from home or being in the, the food industry or running a studio that I didn't go in until sometimes six o'clock at night. I've been with my son a lot, a lot. And, you know, been with my daughter now since she's been born. I'm the one who's been home, you know, taking care of being Mr. Mom. If any of you out there have not seen the movie, Mr. Mom, go watch, go watch that movie. And then you'll have a beautiful picture, mental image of what I'm talking about right now. Cause that's my life. I am Mr. Mom. So, um, you know, but in a couple weeks, couple days like 10 days 14 days that all changes he is you know he's gone every day so maybe that is what's been in my head that's making me this sort of you know just this kind of ball of stress right now for some reason um just because you know major change is coming and it's gonna be really awkward not to see my son 40 hours a week you know every day monday through friday um, it's definitely, it's just gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. You know, I, I know he's gonna do well when he goes, he's a smart kid. He's gonna have friends that are all going, he, you know, but it's just, it's definitely gonna be weird. So maybe that's, that's truly what I, what I'm feeling right now. And it's, you know, that stress is coming out in weird ways, but I don't know. Enough of that. Enough of that. Gotta shake it off. Right. We're getting into the weekend. Weekend's almost here. Woo. Sounds exciting. So without, Without m- m- more of my rambles, let's kick into my conversation with Charlie about um, about his company Qualitry and his new product, Cachula uh, 2.0, which is uh, a really cool blanket that folds all the way up into pillows. So if you're a traveler, I think you're going to dig this product. If you're a camper, going to dig this product. If you are, you know, if if you're riding a subway train a lot for work, if you got a long commute, I think you're going to dig this product. Um, something maybe just to keep in the car, you know. Um, and then kind of at, towards the end of our conversation, we got into maybe maybe there's a, a conversation here on how um, his, this product could at some point um, go to homeless people. Um, so very, very cool. And I, I, what I also love too is, is how they're starting to envision using Kickstarter or crowdfunding, whatever you want to call it, to, to launch products. I believe, mark my words right now, listen everybody, we are going to see more and more big, huge companies utilize the strategy of launching their products you know, the companies like JBL of the world, Sennheiser, these big, huge conglomerates, you know, are going to come out and use Kickstarter to launch your products because why wouldn't you? It, sh- it it gets the buzz going. I mean, you know, when you look at this campaign in particular, you got 2,200, you know, customers out there. You know, n- you know, that's your core supporters. Those are your people tweeting about you, sharing your product. Those are your people that believe in your lifestyle and believe in your brand. So why would you not go to this platform? So I think you're going to see this more and more. So we're going to get into that conversation. So... I'm going to stop talking now. Let's kick to my conversation. Here we go. Out of just you and me, the 
Hey, how are we doing, Jeff? I'm good. How are you, Charlie? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. <laughs> no problem. Well, thanks for taking some time to uh, to have a nice chat with me about your uh, very successful Kickstarter campaign. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for having us, and it's it's a pleasure. You know, I am definitely. I don't think I'm your typical um, Kickstarter company, so I'm very excited to to uh, you know share what we learned and, and share our experience. Awesome. Yeah. So. Um, I, th- I think I was talking to somebody else, but I hope you got the info. You know, I'm hoping to have about a 30-minute conversation, pretty light, and you know, just kind of some backstory and, and again, what you guys have done. And then, like, to my audience is people thinking about crowdfunding or are running one, or you know, have, and, and have had and have had success and not had success. Um, and then also entrepreneurs. That's you know, just you know, how you guys even approached, uh, you know, why you're doing it this way instead of you know, VC or whatever it might be, or, or it might be a mixture of all that stuff. So that's just kind of what this podcast is all about. And, um, and, and hopefully we just have good conversation around it. So, yeah, no, that sounds absolutely uh, awesome. And, and yeah, that's what the, that's what I'd scheduled out was a half an hour and I'd been informed on, um, you know, the, the, you know, what your podcast is about and what you do. And I, I admire it. I think that it's, you know, it's a great, a great thing to have as money outlets to yeah. understand, understand, you know, where retail's at today and how it's moving forward and, and, and how to be successful in that, in that. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely changing. Um, a lot of these products, and I'm, I'm, I'll be intrigued if, if you guys are going down some of the same route is, is using Kickstarter for validation to an idea and, you know, proving like, Hey, I'm not, an, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I think, this, yeah. I think this product's going to be great. If you don't believe me, I'll get the people to get behind me. So, so why don't we jump in? What, you know, so I guess, tell me a little bit, let's just go right from what the product is, um, and, and kind of what the whole goal around this Kickstarter campaign is about. Okay, definitely. So the, the, um, there's a lot of substance behind the brand, um, but we will get into that later. So for, for us, the Kachula, um, was a product that, um, myself being an inventor of it, um, I, I had put it out on the marketplace through Urban Outfitters and Backcountry.com and Swell and um, BC Surf and Sport, s- some other larger retailers. And um, we, we put it out there knowing that this product was awesome, that it filled some voids that we had in our you know, outdoor kit, mm-hmm. so to say. Um, and so we took this to the market at, at your typical fashion forward, uh, model where we're, you know, eight months ahead of the, the, of our ship date and we took it to trade shows. Um, we got a great response from, from both the, you know, the media and the action sports and outdoor world, um, which is our marketplace as well as, you know, the buyer, the buyers and so forth. So a year, you know, a year ago in, in May, we launched this product with those major outlets. Um, we gave them the the tools and the marketing tools of what this product was, and and how to display that onto the consumer. Um, our our company started in 2010 on a uh, you know on a basis of creating things out of recycled and organic materials back in a time when that was very um, unheard of. Hmm. 
and, and you know, kind of in the in even though it was only six years ago, there was only two factories in the world that would produce eco-minded products, and now there's hundreds. Interesting. So yeah, so it really shows you where that demand in in uh you know um, apparel and 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 and. and you know, clothing manufacturing is at now where it was. Um, so, so we'd already kind of had a niche idea to our brand. So coming out, we, what we always wanted to transfer from that was coming out as more people in the marketplace and Quicksilver and Billabong were doing an organic or recycled line. We wanted to be innovators of products. Um, I started my career at Skull Candy as well as did Brandon, who's here at Koala Tree with me. Um, and we were some of their first employees. So we saw that innovation and that creativity that you can take to headphones and then on to stance socks. Um, you know, and, and so we wanted to to, to, to do that same thing with the products that we were involved in. So the Kachula blanket was, was one of those, one of those products. It packs into a, you know, a camp, a, a camping or travel pillow. Um, it's a must have for anyone on an airplane. Um, if you're getting, you know, if you're getting cold and you're in the airplane, you can pull out the pillow and turn it into a blanket or vice versa. Mm. Um, and, and so when, what these retailers had was they had a, you know, a product and a model to really go out and make not only our brand climb, but themselves money when they've been in, you know, when retail's in a very tough place where Macy's and PacSun and these other outlets are struggling and, and if not, you know, declaring bankruptcy. So, so what we, what we've found ourselves in after a year of selling this product and having it sold out through backcountry and urban outfitters and these other outlets is that we knew we had a product that worked because it sold out. Mm -hmm. and we knew that we had a product that had a great response because we were listening to our ambassadors and to our, our customers. Right. But where the model was broken was that everybody in these big box retailers was scared you know, scared out of their mind to take risks because they were down on their quarters for the fifth quarter or they're down, down on their earnings for the fifth quarter in a row. And that, what that does is that creates this freeze in an, in, in attitude in fashion and, and in buying groups where they don't want, they want to stick with what's comfortable and they don't want to take risks. So because of the trend of everything going online and Amazon exclusive and, and these online outlets, um, direct to consumer, et cetera, we found ourselves having done all of this work to follow the traditional retail model, but then we got snubbed by the retail model because mm -hmm. of the t t the timing of when this millennial um, and this younger generation is is not going out and shopping at stores yeah. uh, for the you know generally speaking, especially not mall stores. So for for us here here we were sitting here in January with a product that had a great shelf life, but it seemed like this product was now dead and it was going, you know, it was going and, and, and it, this was typical with a lot of our products at Koala Tree. So then we would scramble to be, to, to create, a, you know, another innovative product, um, and then bring that to retail and have the same scenario happen. So what I did in January is I, I bought the company for my old partners who couldn't with some new partners and my old partners just, they couldn't get past the retail model. They couldn't, they couldn't understand that if we told zoomies no and i told urban outfitters no and i pulled out of all these big boxes now what were we, we what were we going to do right um and so what 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 i believed in is that we needed to um you know get away from our skew overload and we needed to really break down not what not what not what nordstroms and and urban outfitters were telling us but what the what the consumers were telling us right right and so I spent that time since January till we launched the Kickstarter, um, the beginning of August, 
conceptualizing five products that, that are all unique that we will, you know, put out on Kickstarter and, and the Cachula was the one that, that won the first, the first launch. Mm. Um, and now what that does is it was very awesome for us because outdoor retailer show aligned out here in Salt Lake city, um, with the same week that we launched. So when we launched and our product funded in 12 hours, and then when people like Cabela's, REI, Urban Outfitters, and those same retailers were coming through our booth at OR and we were displaying the blanket and mm-hmm. it was very themed around the Kachula. Now, all of a sudden, I realized that the, the Kickstarter had done something for me that I hadn't planned on doing. It had catapulted me and propelled me um, in the retail marketplace so that now these buyers who thought that they couldn't take a risk were now getting scolded by their, uh, by their, by their older <laughs> buying groups for having a product that they could have made money with that yep. they didn't. And, and so, you know, in backcountry.com even went as far as to miss their appointment with me at outdoor retailer, because I've been telling them, you know, these bigger box retailers, if you're going to do business with us, it needs to be in a, in a significant amount of money that it doesn't just you know, take the money and run from us. Yeah. So to, so to say, um, and, and so that was really exciting to debut that first week, um, to have that success on Kickstarter and to debut that to an industry that had seen us for six years of that show and really just saw that, wow, this, 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 this product is being backed by our industry. It's being backed by the consumers. It's being marketed well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's where it really gave us firepower to now we're actually doing a collab with reef, um, to, 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 to produce uh, 120 Kachulas for their sales directors and their executives. Um, you know, that's a, that's an awesome opportunity yeah. that the combination of the Kickstarter's voice and the brand recognition and a unique product all came together to really catapult the brand. Um, and, and what I, uh, what I also like about the Kickstarter model is that it's, it's, it really is a way for you to fine tune and perfect your product Mm -hmm. because they're, they're smart consumers and they want to, they want to, um, have their voices heard. We actually launched a third colorway because we had so much feedback from people that were on the Kickstarter community. And that was a really special thing for us to, to, to experience, um, as a brand who's been kind of filtered by the retailers because, you know, those big retailers, they didn't want us doing pushing direct sales on our website. That right. was almost, yep. that was, that was almost a no, no. Yeah. Four, I bet four, it wasn't four years ago. Yeah. yeah. I bet it was four, a big, no-no. you know, yeah. So. Four years ago, we send out a, we send out a list for 30% off as a special discount to our email list. And one of the buyers at us outdoor store in Portland's brother gets it and sends it over, you know, sends yeah, it over yep. to the buyer. Then it's this big thing. So, so I cut all my, I cut all of my sales reps, which is 10%. I, I cut all that old, old retail model, which, a lot of times too, then you're, cha- it's a cash flow forward model and you're chasing your, ch- you, you end up chasing down money for the majority of p- p- parts or you get burned here or there. Um, you know, like PacSun or Karma Loop, those that they go bankrupt and you're a small company, you're, you're out that money. So for us in talking with other Kickstarter companies, it was exciting to have a brand where we have 146,000 followers on Instagram, 20,000 likers on Facebook um, you know, a large extensive brand, uh, reach and, and support as well as an email list. So for us to go into 
uh, Kickstarter with that ammo, we were pretty scared. You know, we didn't know exactly what to expect or if we'd fund or what would happen. But I would say to anybody who's, you know, um, and I, I said this to quite a few other companies that have been asking me, um, that were kind of stuck in this old retail model like myself. And they're like, wait, how did you do this? You know? And I would recommend that anybody that has a brand that has a community and has a, a group of fans and supporters to really look at crowdfunding and Kickstarter and Indiegogo as an outlet to, to, um, save yourself that heartache of taking a number one, taking a product that, you know, has something special to retail and then, and then having the retail world, um, not give it the respect that it, that it deserves. Um, and as well as being able to get more creative and launch more products, um, in, in, in generally in concept, you know, that's a beautiful thing to have as a, as a company is if I would, in the old model, if I was to want to bring in a certain jacket that has some special properties, I'm looking at my production costs, um, to get one sample. And then if I need to go get 10 samples for my sales reps team and eight samples for different countries, all of a sudden I'm looking at being into a product, you know, $8,000 plus before I've even touched my feet. Yeah. Um, and shown it to any, and shown it to anybody to see if they'll buy it. So I think that that, that, that that's a really special avenue with Kickstarter to, to, to have as well. Well, um, well something that, um, that you were hinting on about the kind of launching multiple products, you know, let's just say over the next five years or whatever it might be, um, is something that we're seeing this, this trend for companies kind of in your, in your ballpark. I've seen a camera bag, uh, company, you know, just keep doing new accessories, you know, uh, this type of bag, and then you need this type of strap. And eventually, by the time, you know, five years goes by, they have their entire product line. And I know that their costs are all more probably in control. You know, they're, they're not, you know, it's like the old school days. They're not making, uh, you know, 10,000 shirts when they only sold 1,000. You know, it's like, what do I do with this old inventory? So I'm intrigued yeah. on how you guys are envisioning that that's what's coming and where more people are, are, are starting to skate to that puck right now. Yeah, no, and, and what you hit on is is absolutely phenomenal. So, and 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 I guess the reason why I get chills when I and I actually wrote Kickstarter a thank you card on these really cool uh, um, wood cards that we have that we save for special occasions because literally Kickstarter gave my company a second chance. Mm. Um, it it jump started it. Yeah. You know, it, it, we went back to the garage after six years because after giant success, the retailer model wasn't working and. So when, when, when you talk about going into um, a, a small company and going into having overstock, this creates so many issues. So for us, we were dealing with products that were organic. So our minimums at MOQ at the time were rather high. So I'll use an example of uh, some denim that we did. They're really great denim. They're actually the only denim that Willie Nielsen's drummer uh, wears, to be 100% honest. I'm not even joking with you. He will not ju- drum in anything but these organic, stretchable denim. Um, <laughs> uh, and they're longtime supporters of our, of our, of our Koala Tree and our initiative, um, the Willie Nelson family. But, but we produced 4,000 of these. And the reason why we, we produced 4,000 of these is because we had strong POs in from big box outlets. So as a small company, you get this big order and you get excited about it. And you think that that's going, you know, th- you're kind of promised that, that you're hand in hand in this and you're going to, you know, 
make make it make it work. Mm-hmm. So so we end up selling about through fifteen hundred of those, and the outlet that we were working with goes bankrupt. Um, luckily, we were you know we we didn't end up having an open PO with them. But the point is now here we had 3,000 um, denim, you know, 2,500 denim. Right. Um, now those denim sat on our shelves for about two years. And the, the issue with that was that if we put those out into the market through, so to say, a closeout site like Sierra Lifestyle um, or Sierra Trading Post or a backcountry whiskey militia or, or, or the climb mm-hmm. – then all of a sudden, my company now is sitting there, and it's a closeout brand. So people that that want to buy organic quality stuff will wait until it goes onto the climb or Sierra Trading Post. Yeah. So now, now not only do I have an excess and inventory issue, but now I have my consumers trained at getting stuff for a discount in an in a backwards about way. Yep. So, so if I'm going to give my consumers a discount, I want it to be on the front end on Kickstarter and crowdfunding. And then I know how many to produce. Yep. And that's a healthy way for a consumer to look at supporting a brand while also getting a discount. Yep. The, un- the unhealthy way and the model that's not going to work for, for, for you know, longer than, than, than 10 more years or however long it ta- you know, takes to weed this out is the system of the consumer uh, ultimately getting it at the back end, which means that I paid um, you know, X amount for it and sold it for z- almost zero profit, but just to get my cash flow back. Mm-hmm. And then that goes to the climb, and then the climb makes a killing off of it, and the consumer saves money. But along that whole process, there's so much shipping and uneco friendly and un like there's such a large carbon footprint in this in the right. later mo- model where the retailer ultimately ends up making the most money out of everybody when they're the ones that are just the middleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because they're so giant and conglomerate, they can take advantage of the system that way. So, so, so the, 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 when, when you're talking about the Kickstarter model, saving you the issue of excess inventory, it's not just saving you the issue of excess inventory it's saving you the issue of keeping your brand identity intact and helping your consumer understand that th- what you're doing is special. And it's not just something that, that should be thrown on Amazon for 30% off. And yeah. you you know, you're never going to see these, these products for full price. Um, well, it's intriguing. So, so what's, what, what I had this conversation the other day with somebody about, um, about kicks, like it's almost like Kickstarter has allowed us to actually think about the backer or the customer again. Right. So it's just like, like what you were just discussing is, you know, that consumer is not thought of. You're not giving them anything special in the beginning. There's no incentive for them to be an early adopter to your product. You know, hey, if they buy it, they buy it is like the retailer's mindset where what you're doing is, no, if I want to give 30% to them, I want it to be right now because, you know, they're the first thousand people supporting this campaign or whatever it is, you know. And it's like you're giving these people power. Once you give them power, they'll support your next product. They'll go to your website. They'll listen to your podcast, whatever it might be. They'll, you know, they'll buy in. And I think that's such an important thing that that we're seeing is like, just treat the customer really well. You know, yeah, yeah, treat them it, really well. No, it's it 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 really is so true. And and I mean, I believe that in, in nothing more than customer service. When I was up at Skull Candy, you know, we were some of the first employees. That's that's what you know. Building it, building people don't do business with with businesses. People do business with people. Yeah. I'm a strong I'm a strong believer in that. And 
you know, the funny, the, the crazy thing is, is going back to, um, you know, cause there were rumors that we were out of business in January during the sale, we had to be quiet about certain things. And so I had these other, these other companies that these other CEOs at, at an outdoor retailer show talking to me about how crazy this model is with Kickstarter and then being able to, to now integrate your products with Amazon exclusive and these, these, you know, and Facebook targeted marketing mm-hmm. and the ways to reach the consumer without the retail model. Um, you know, it really, it really, I, I, I freaked out a couple of people that were so s- dependent on the old retail model Yeah, Be- because here's these, big box outlets that, 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 that painted this picture. And I'm going to be very delicate with this the way right. I say it, but, but they, but I am a firm believer that the industry didn't, they wanted when a Kickstarter brand came out, it took a lot of heat from that brand to be accepted by the, by the trade show circuit brands. Right. So with the trade show circuit, we're going to capsule, we're going to agenda and these trade shows and you're, you know, you're spending a lot of money, but you're making friendships with the other brands and the buyers, et cetera. So in 2011 and, and 10, when Kickstarter companies were kind of starting to break out, they were, they were very much so painted as cheeseburgery. Yeah. They were very much so painted as this, you know, Kickstarter is this thing that if you have to go to and you're desperate, then go to it. Or if you don't have an established brand, then here you go. Um, well, here's an opportunity. But I'll give you an design- example of that. Yeah. My, my first three years of consulting people was telling everybody it wasn't a donation. It's not a donation. You're buying the product. <laughs> yes, but, but yes. That's, that's all I kept telling everybody. Everybody be like, "Oh, you." They thought I ran a nonprofit charity organization. That I was like, <laughs> no, you still got your T-shirt, your album, your movie, whatever you supported. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it, it no, and it really, it really was. And I think that there's, you know, there's some brands that helped us uh, understand it more, and they have been doing it since 2010 and raised over two million dollars on there and. Um, you, you know, I, I feel very blessed that we're getting in and understanding this at this time, because like I said, my old partners in the brand, they were stuck in that rivet of having to do, you're almost a slave to these retailers. And if these buyers come and tell you that something that they're not going to carry you because you're going to take a risk by going on Kickstarter with a product that they've already, so to say, pre-booked. So, so they, they deserve that product before you open it up to the consumers. Um, you know, that's a, that, that's, that's kind of the manipulative nature that they were painting. And then, then they were leaving people like us with the Kachula sold out and no reorders and just a mess of, a of, of, a of, you know, the, the, the backcountry had no CEO for a while, you know, right. urban, urban outfitters, all of those guys are scrambling like crazy. Yep. And they just don't, it's just, it's just like any other, um, you, you, you know, situation where you, 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 know, good to great. If you guys have read that book, if you haven't highly recommend it, <laughs> it is phenomenal. Um, and it talks about the good to great companies and the good to great companies are the ones that are willing to take a risk and that see, the things ahead of the curve. And, and so if you're sitting there and you're a dinosaur company, you don't want to, to, to make the changes that this market is doing, then you're going to, you're going to eventually, you know, be pushed out of the way, but that process is, it's going to hurt a lot of people in the process. And so where you see Macy's closing a lot of their stores and go trying to go online, they won't get to online unless they can compete. They won't be as successful online as if they would have made that model change 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so I really do feel that, um, 
this, 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 for, for someone like me, who's, who, who is trapped in, in, in that model, this is new and this is light at the end of the tunnel. And, and I, and it, and it, it's overwhelming and it's insane to see the people that have supported me for six years in this company now know what it means for this Kickstarter to be in place. Because like I said, it's not the, it's not, you know, we want to grow this company to a, a $20 million company plus, and we have the tools to do that. But the Kickstarter is what is really propelling the retail world to stop in their tracks and, and look at what they did to the product and look right. what they did to our brand and look how selfish they were being to the marketplace. And that's where we're going to be very careful with. We're not going to go into retailers unless they have worked with us and understood that. And, you know, Tilly's is somebody that, that, that we've been in conversations with and they get that they understand yeah. it. they want to work with us. And they, in fact, they don't want to bring in our product until they're ready to work with us at that level. And that says something for a retailer. And that's what I really hope that more of these brands stepping away from the retail model and moving into the Kickstarter and the B to C business will, will really, if anything, help those guys to, to listen. And if not help at least other smaller brands that we're all fans of to get their product out there to the, to the marketplace and, and to, to really thrive. Well, it's, you know, there is something that happens, I think, to small companies. It's, it's like this allure of, of seeing their product on a shelf. So I, like I've, I had a couple clients, um, one of them in particular just wanted to get her product into whole foods, no matter what anybody said, right? Like, you know, yeah. with, but then it's like, but you, she had no advertising budget. She had to go play all these big boy games, you know, just couldn't, but, but she just, that dream, right? Like, there it is. I walked into Whole Foods and my product's there and I couldn't convince her to be like, if you go to crowdfunding, you will be in such a better position to negotiate Whole Foods, you know, two years from now, whatever it might be. If you come back and go, my product sold 2000 units, you know throughout the world. Here's my data. Here's my, my numbers here. My, here's how much I spent on advertising. You know, you'll be so much better off. And I'm sure you guys are gonna be sitting in that same position. Your negotiations are much more powerful right now. Cause you can be like, you know what? I'm, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Cause it's working, you know? Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it, no, exactly. And it really is. It's funny how the psychology of it all works when, um, you know, I'm a sociologist by, by a degree and, you know, study the, that's why I love, love entrepreneurialism. You can study you know, a place, the people there, and then what you can market to them that will benefit their lives and help them in, in you know, that's what the way I like to think about it. Yeah. Um, and so for, for us, it's, it's been really exciting that, um, you know, we can, we can really take those concepts and, and say, Hey, listen, listen to what these, listen to what these people are saying. And, you know, we've done deals, so to say with like Birchbox, and we had a backpack that we sold and we put thir- you know we put 30,000 of them in Birchbox hands and the re- we got we ended up getting a 4.8 stars out of 2000 reviews hmm. so it's it's it, it, it's things like that that then when you have that backing all of a sudden people stop in their tracks and they listen but until you have something to to boast and and kind of say hey listen up this is what's happening then people move so fast nowadays they don't even really stop to look yeah so yeah yeah so so it's really it's really um like i said it's been very fascinating to me that the kickstarter community 
it's a very intelligent, and this is what the, you know, the people that we, we were working with kept telling us is that we, um, the, 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 the Kickstarter community is different consumers than who we'd been dealing with. And I love it because they're educated and because they see something that's unique and they see through the troll comments and they see yep. through, through the, through the, 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 the kind of, um, genuineness of what we're putting together and that's special and that's what i'm excited about because then that gets your not so educated consumer to follow that lead and yep. to un, you know to take that 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 look into it and that that's what's i think very exciting about that kickstarter outlet that other outlet you know that other avenues don't have yeah so let's let's walk back here so you're sitting in january and you're thinking about doing this Walk me through a little bit of those eight months leading up to this campaign. Did you start working with an agency to help with some of these decisions? I think you mentioned a little bit. How did you come with a goal of $15,000? Like, like what were the kind of the steps that you guys went through to, to you know, fund and you got, what, how fast did you guys fund? Uh, um, we, yeah, we, we funded in, in 12 hours, which yeah. was unbelievably <laughs> yeah. crazy. So to be 100% honest, and this is where I'm, I'm, I'm confident in my team. So I don't have an agency. Uh, I have, there's, there's two of us that, that work here full time. Um, at this point, so we went from a company of around 15 people down to just myself for a few months and a few investors to really reformat what we were doing. Um, and over that process and time, we, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy because the stars did so to say a line where, we ended up linking up with somebody that had was kind of a, a notorious celebrity here around Salt Lake City for for crowdfunding, and he liked what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So he liked, you know, like I said, people do business with people. He gets pitched Kickstarters every day, and he really loved our brand, what we what we stand for, and wanted to move forward with with what we were doing. Um, so, so we brought him on board as a, as a partner of the company to manage our Kickstarter, uh, you know, uh, Avenue. And so, so he's, he's been the, 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 the quarterback to the, to the whole process. And we haven't, like I said, we haven't had to use funded today or any agency and our, we, we really, we haven't spent very much money in marketing because we, we simply are still a right out of the garage company again, um, you know, coming out of the gates Mm -hmm. in in January. And so that's been, that's been really phenomenal is that we knew, we, we knew the people, it it was like, we came out of the retail circuit with running a full, a full medley. And we were, we were, we were tired. We were, we were exhausted (laughs) and we, we knew, we knew that we had built a strong brand identity over the years. So the, this, this, this other guy who we brought on board, he was part of a, a Kickstarter company still is and an online company. So he knew that we had what they wanted, which was a brand presence, which was being in front of people and in their homes and in, in their lives for six years. And so he, he, he knew that we had a community that would support us once we hit the go button on Kickstarter. Right. But we, we were still so much like a deer in headlights. Um, a lot like when I've talked to these other, uh, CEOs that haven't used this, this outlet yet. Um, so we, we were still very much so 
um, unsure of how it would go. So he, and because of that, he kind of was too. So our, our internal goal was $30,000. We came up with that because that's how many we, we would need to do, make to produce mm-hmm. our minimums. And the 15 K we wanted to put it as a lower amount because it was our first time ever doing it. And we wanted to see kind of what response we would, we would get. Um, and it was obviously absolutely overwhelming. Right. And we had, we had, you know, we, we had one guy in here who was a designer who said it would fund in the first day. And who said that we would do 200 K and we honestly all thought he was crazy. <laughs> like to the point where you kind of get mad at them for saying it. Cause you're like, dude, it's not going to happen. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and it is, it is happening. And so I think that for, for, for us, a huge part is utilizing the community and the resources that you have you know, we, we've utilized our ambassadors and our, our, like I said, our resources with our social media and it's worked phenomenal. Um, and, and we have had PR firms hit us up left and right. We have, and, and the, the issue is, and this is actually a great thing for anybody out there who doesn't understand margins and your, your, you know, where you need to be to continue as a business. Um, you know, if you make 200 K on a Kickstarter and you are spending 60% of that to produce your product because you're giving the the consumer a discount, and then you're going to have another 40% of operating capital. Now, what happens if a PR firm comes in and they take 35% and let's say they did the ad spend. So they went out and they, they sold 200,000 for you as a small brand, but they're taking 35% of that. Kickstarter Kickstarter's taking five percent. Your credit card fees are another five, and then mm-hmm. you're producing sixty percent. You know, is is goes towards your manufacturing. All of a sudden, you're spending five percent to 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 make your product. You're literally running broke yep. by using an ad agency, and they're you know they're good at their job. They they I don't have anything um, you know against them. They, they do their job, but for me, when you eat into that margin, that 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 that, that thick, there's nothing left for the company to grow. And that's what I really like to see is I love as an entrepreneur, I love to see companies thrive and grow. And so I, I would, I would almost recommend, we kept going back and forth on that. Like, do we want to hit a half a million with a PR agency and make less margins? Or do we want to hit, you know, a hundred K and, literally make the margins that, right. that we're all going to be able to smile about and, and have operating capital. Um, so, so we chose the later and we, we won't use a PR firm, but we also, our brand was able to get our Kickstarter on, on climbing magazine and we're, you know, trans world. And we have some other outlets that'll be pushing it out as well. And mm-hmm. those are re- because we've had those relationships with those outlets for so long. Um, and, and that, that, that really helped, in the back end on the dashboard to push, you know, a community that we already had into the Kickstarter community. Um, so I, yeah, I would say to, sh- for anybody to shoot lower, that's why we shot for 15 is cause we knew we didn't want to have to be at, at 15 and want to shoot and want 30, but had to go turn on a PR firm right. to save face and hit 30. Yep. Um, because then we wouldn't be making our margins. And so, uh, yeah, I, I highly, I highly recommend to to people out there to really, you know, I, my motto is slow to hire quick to fire. Mm -hmm. And I I would really take that into any PR firm or anybody that's going to call you up 
and, and promise you things and, um, you know, tell you that they'll put you on TV, but there's a $7,000, you know, production fee. Those things are gimmicks. And I, and and I, I, they may have worked for certain people, but they don't work for me. And that's a way that I see a lot of Kickstarter brands getting taken advantage of. So out of, so if you took out that, let's just say those six years of, of, of you guys having the established presence in, you know, basically in the world, you know, what is proving right now, though, as like the biggest thing you did, though, was it the mailing list, Facebook ads? Was there like one thing that, man, you can see that this is driving at least the most eyeballs? Traditional press, maybe, from those relationships you were talking about? What do you guys see yeah. on the back end? Yeah, so the most surprising thing for us was a local write-up by KSL.com here in Utah. So we ended up having a very large amount of backers um, from that write-up. I had my father-in-law text me saying congratulations. I mean, it was a really big way to reach the general population here in Salt Lake and the Rocky Mountains. So to get that kind of support from them was really, really cool. Um, and that's not hard. You, you know, for anybody out there listening, uh, we're going to be going on a, a TV show for the news with our Kachula display on Friday. And, you know, local news, when you're funding, um, you know, when you, when you have a story behind that, they, they want to get behind you produce, you know, yeah. you, they want to get behind you guys and CNN is great. And I, I would have liked to have had some, some more, um, response from some of those morning shows and whatnot because our product is fun and it's wearable and it's exciting and i know that i know that that will come but to have the local uh, news response uh, you know come out the way that it did don't neglect that because that's just as big as as anything else and that's how you start climbing um you know your way into a more national coverage so that that was really exciting and then also the the facebook marketing for us we we really hit on case uses mm-hmm. you know th- this blanket can be used for anyone it really can my 61 year old dad uh his 22 nieces and nephews and spends his time with with my mom traveling the world visiting them and he doesn't go anywhere without that blanket um you know i i also do not go anywhere without it i i've spent several times on airport floors sleeping on that blanket because it's antimicrobial and i know it's not going to be all germy and gross <laughs> a few hours later so i think that um you know for us being able to take all of the content and the case uses that we have and go and do facebook marketing that was beautiful i mean our average click through rate is is we have some that that are at 4 cents and we have over wow. 1500 click throughs yeah, so that's, that's 4 cents per click and our facebook is one of our bigger income makers yeah. right right now so so the an average brand usually spends two dollars for a click. Um, so that so so creating good content and knowing our knowing our consumer and knowing who they are, th- that's something that we we spend every single day is who who are we trying to target today and who who how can this help them in 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 their lives? Let's call up somebody who hunts and find out how they are using their kachula, and right. then that's how that that that's really how we have been able to stay creative with our marketing and our content is by just having fun with it and being passionate by it and not, you know, for us, it's not a task to go out and film a climbing edit or, you know, to go out and film a skate edit using the Kachula. It's fun. We call our friends and we go and do it because that's the lifestyle we live. So it's very genuine for us. So, so maybe you can answer this question for me. I started this podcast about a couple months ago, and I think I'm under just 20 episodes or so, and I do two a week. So I've had like five calls from companies out of Salt Lake City area or Utah doing 
really awesome projects. Is there something going on in your guys's like economy or tax <laughs> incentives? I'm, 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 I mean, it's like yeah. one out of five is coming from Utah right now. I'm yeah, pretty blown so, away right now. You know? No, no, and and you know what? So so there's something about Utah that just has entrepreneurism in the in in the water. So for me, I started my first company at 16. Uh, it was a lawn aerating company, and I ended up selling it at 19 for a very successful amount of money. Um, and then I had a concert promotion company and that's why skull candy hired me to try and get closer to these bigger music artists. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, the point is, is that, you know, from the, the, you know, two thousands, I've felt an entrepreneurial love here in Salt Lake. People have a passion and they go out and they do it. And, um, since 2010, when people could really start using Kickstarter as a vessel, Utah was a great outlet. And even on Shark Tank or any of these other companies, a lot of breakthrough companies are here in Salt Lake. And, and, and that, I'm glad you brought that up because the reason why, and I've told this to other people, is the reason why we were so successful is because we were able to meet up with these other business owners from Wandered Bags and Power Practical um, and and the laces company and, um, you know, these other, these other companies that have been successful, like you said, and pick their brain and, and, and it's an open door. And, and they're, and, you know, instead of a company that's like, Oh, I'm going to have to fight with you on the shelves at urban outfitters. So I can't tell you my secrets. Right. It's, it, it's the total opposite. It's, Hey, wow. I loved Koala Tree. You guys have been a part of the community for a long time. Let me come in and tell you how I think you could be successful on, on Kickstarter. And I was in Colorado. We moved from Salt Lake to Colorado in 2010 to start up the company on a nonprofit farm um, on the Colorado River. And there was just a bigger openness to the green initiative in Colorado at the time. Uh -huh. So when we moved back here to Salt Lake in 2013, it was really groundbreaking to just feel that energy of the state of Utah getting behind us and the, and the other companies here getting behind us. And so just so you know, when we were debating to, of going to Denver or going to Salt Lake, Salt Lake city does offer, um, very high incentives right now to move to Salt Lake city. They have an outdoor recreation program called go ed where they give grants and, um, and, and so forth to not only small companies to go to trade shows and to be, um, you know, to, to infuse, money into them growing, but also to bigger companies that, that, that move here, there's very large tax, ex, ta, tax incentives, et cetera, to move here. Um, you know, at the SIA, the snow industry association show, they just moved their headquarters here. Armada skis moved their headquarters here, Osprey bags. Um, you know, companies are moving here left and right Traeger grills because there is that, that government taking, you know, taking the initiative to get behind companies and say, Hey, how can we help you grow? Yeah. And, and that's really, that's really exciting. Every quarter they do something up at the world trade center here in Salt Lake. And we all meet together. Um, the Logan Utah state university has the only, um, technical production, um, degree for pr producing technical products in the, for the outdoors. And so I can, I, you know, I'm literally working on a product with them where we're using their students to help conceptualize how to make a better pop-up tent. 
And so those resources are there for a bag company. You know, those resources are there for Power Practical. Those resources are there for somebody to basically come into Salt Lake City and not have a clue about business, but have an idea that they're passionate about. And if they go around and ask 10 people in Salt Lake that are other successful business guys, what, you know, if they, yeah. what, 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 what their model was and if they want to go have lunch to chat about it, probably eight out of 10 of those guys are going to say yes and take their time to do that. And that's a very special thing that, that I, we didn't have that in Colorado, you know, as much. We didn't, we didn't have that central base of willingness to just help out your fellow businessman. That's really exciting. So I, I, I'm going to let you know, I will be sending this podcast directly to, um, I've been working with a County here in Michigan and it's the most wealthiest County. It's outside of Detroit. But I've, I've been begging them now for a year to put a crowdfunding, you know, portal basically into their, you know, their business tech, right? So we have all automotive. So manufacturing mm -hmm. up the yin-yang, right? That's what we have here. So it's just like, if you guys let companies and teach crowdfunding, it's a front door to all of these other conversations that will eventually come. And, and, and I'll use crowdfunding to validate and... And I keep telling them like, tax incentives, if, and you know, then they come back to me and they're like, "How do we get more cool companies here?" You have to do stuff. You gotta, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, they don't just roll in. Nobody knows what's going on in Oakland County here in Michigan. They, you know, you got to go tell them. And it's no, like, no, um, yeah, man, you, you you really do. And the cool thing about it is that Brad Peterson, he was the old director over here, and there's since some you know some some new guys that have come in, but. He has, he has been more than willing to help Colorado and to help Washington and yeah. to help these other states implement this same type of program. And Utah's kind of, you know, the, some of the guys, he joke about it because some of the guys in Utah are like, hey, this is our, like, you know, this is our, our, our um, bread and butter. And his goal in this initiative was for this to happen around the globe. Yeah. And that's what's really exciting is that as – other states are seeing that it's working. They want to do it too. And, and that's groundbreaking. That's, that's amazing. And if you uh, just get back to a really crazy story. So there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a laboratory out in Taipei, Taiwan. It's where I made, it's where I made this fabric for the mm. kachula, the flannel kachula. It's a certain weave that's, that, that, that comes with a waterproofing agent. But I went over to Taipei, Taiwan and traveled an, an hour outside of Taipei, on a speed train to get to this laboratory to make this product. Well, here a year later, I was sitting in one of those meetings that I told you about in May, um, where the up at the world trade center and this guy, Keith Wilson, who ran the lab and started it in Taipei outside of Taipei, Taiwan was there talking about how he just opened up the third one in the world in Salt Lake city in sugar house and it was going to be opened, you know, within the, within the month. And it's literally, I'm not even joking you. It's literally five to six houses down from where I've lived for the last two years. And it's the third lab in the world where they'll do, where they could have created this Kachula fabric. And it's right by my house now. That's, That's crazy. crazy. That's, That's totally crazy. crazy. You know, like I developed this three years ago, three and a half years ago with him when I was still living in Colorado and then that's, that just goes to show you how, um, you know, it, it's not even in like a downtown part of Salt Lake. It's in like a, a, a housing kind of, you, there's, there, there's businesses and housing zone spots. It's like a, a cough, a spa and a coffee house that are in an old home. 
And literally this lab has taken over like three or four old apartment spots and homes and turned it into a headquarters where North Face and Acrylics and all of these big brands, they go there to get their testing done on the technical fabrics. So it, it, it really is just crazy how Salt Lake City is, is growing and how many hidden gems and just hidden kind of um, talents there are here. Wow, it's, it's great. So I guess my final wrap up here on my last question here. So what are you guys envisioning uh, next year? What's, what's the future look like after this product here? Yeah, so the future is really strong for us. I'm really excited to take the Kachula out to the to the retail market, see what it does for us uh, here this holiday. And then uh, our next Kickstarter product will be on a much anticipated uh, trailhead pant and short hmm. uh, version two. So the first trailhead pant, uh, it's a non-ripstop uh, spill-proof fabric that is stretchy and um, it it basically took the outdoor world by storm when we launched it uh, two years ago and it has since been named a must-have for outdoor backpacking um, by joe jackson from the outside for on, on outside mag and then it was named the best technical climbing pant ever by climbing magazine so we have been taking the last year to really fine-tune it it will now pack into itself in a pillow um, it'll be more lightweight it'll have a, 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 a some added fits that were requested so we're excited to bring that out as our next kickstarter rolling into 2017 and um, unlike the Kachula, this already has um, some major outlets like Climbing Mag and Outside Mag really begging for it to get back on the market. So we're excited to have some more media powerhouses That's and cool. already a Kickstarter community behind this project. That's awesome. All right, Charlie, we went a little over, but it was a great conversation, and I'm wishing you guys all the success, man. It was great to hear kind of this inside baseball a little bit to your guys' world because it's fascinating, man, Just and, and how the industry really is changing and how you guys are at the forefront of it. Just, It's awesome, man. Awesome, well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate it. I'm going to call you Fuzzy, too. The only, <laughs> other, the, the only other Fuzzy that I know is Fuzzy Hall, and he is an incredible guy, so you share a name with a legend that's a rad dude, and I, I really appreciated our conversation, and I hope that people out there learn some stuff from me because, like I said, this Kickstarter really saved our brand and gave us a second chance. That's awesome, man. All right. I'll, I'll talk to you later, buddy. Thanks. All right. Have a great one. Bye. Bye.